Welcome to Think Up Talk. Think Up Talk is a monthly meeting of by and for the Think Up app community. You can learn more about Think Up app at, oddly enough, thinkupapp.com. Recordings and information on Think Up Talk are available on thinkuptalk.com or on iTunes or on SoundCloud. Take your pick. Current version is 0.1515. And we'll be talking about that today, among other things. So let's meet whoever's available of the ThinkUp community on this Wednesday, September 14th. Okay, very cool. We've got Gina with us. Gina Trapani, hello. Hi, great to be here. It's always great to have you, and uh, you are never late. You were on the second. So without further ado. <laughs> never early um, either, though. <laughs> that's true, but I like that. I admire that in a person. Um, lots of interesting um, ideas to talk about, but there's nothing super specific written down. So if you don't mind, I'll just go with uh, the order that I was looking at. Someone mentioned security, and specifically I went and looked at the post that he was referring to, and this was an issue with regard to denial of service attacks. Having read that whole thing painfully, um, it doesn't look like it's really a huge issue at all, but I wanted to let you comment on it if you did want to, um, if there's anything further being done on that. It had to do with, in other words, um, the DOS problem would be solved or at least um, turned a little bit off by having a longer delay and eventually not allowing people to, to try to log in when they don't know the password. You want to comment on that, Gina, or anybody? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll, I'll, uh, the way that ThinkUp works right now, and we're talking about when you log into ThinkUp itself, um, if, you, if you attempt to log in more than 10 times with the wrong password, your account gets deactivated, right? So you have to send yourself a password reset, which means you get a link, you know, you get emailed a link to reset your, your account. And someone on the list, um, several people were involved in this conversation, made the good point, Sam was certainly in on it, that if someone knows your ThinkUp um, URL and they just want to mess with you, they can just try to log in 10 times with the wrong password and, and effectively lock you out whenever they want. Right. And that, that, you know, that would be really simple to the script. And so um, someone else, I think maybe it was Henri, sent out a link to a kind of best practices around around login uh, document, or maybe it was a conversation on Stack Overflow. And, you know, there are a lot of different solutions to this kind of thing. You can introduce a timeout so that if you, um, or, a, or a delay, so like if you, if you try to log in once and, you, and it fails, then you can't log in again for another five seconds. Then if it fails again, you can't log in again for another 10 seconds, and the, and the time just keeps extending. So it makes it more difficult for bots to just to script those that, that, that 10 failed uh, login, lockout. And so we were talking about whether or not we should implement that. And then uh, Trevor brought up the idea of whitelist. So you detect, you know, if, if there is some sort, of, some sort of script trying to lock you out, should we detect what IP address that is and then block just that IP address. I mean, there, there are a lot of different ways uh, to, to solve this problem or to try to solve it. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't address distributed attacks. The, 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 broad right. question, the broad question of security always is, you know, convenience versus, um, you know, kind of application security versus user convenience. You know, it's like the locks on your doors, you know, <laughs> or, you know it's, it's, always, it's like secure enough. Anyone can break through, you know, just break your door down but you put locks on them anyway. So it was a really, really good discussion, and, and it's interesting because think up the core project. Because it's something that you install on your server, 
you know, if you really want to lock it down, you, you don't publicize your URL or you can put it behind a password. You can, there are ways that you can kind of set up your server to lock it down. But, you know, Trevor's working on MyThinkUp, which is a hosted ThinkUp service where the, the login URLs will be, will be very apparent. So he's, he's got kind of a horse in this race, and he's particularly concerned about security, as he should be. So I think, you know, I think that the solution for us is going to be to extend the plugin architecture to login so that people can make plugins which secure login in various ways, you know, so that, so that if you have a ThinkUp installation that's very public, that you're really concerned about security, you can enable those kind of secure plugins and then have kind of secure enough uh, mechanisms built into the core app. But I, I'd love to hear what other people think about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I like you that a lot. Jump in. I think that's really cool. Um, I was glad I thought um, you could have some kind of uh, you log what IP address they logged in from last time and you're more lenient with that IP address and you log the IP addresses that get it wrong and you're more strict with those. So you kind of balance it out on who's trusted and who isn't. And it's got kind of like a like a very simple AI kind of feel to it. So it learns over time who gets it wrong and who gets it right and it learns who to trust and who not to trust. And that would be really suited for some kind of plug-in. So I love the plug-in idea. And just to throw in what we do, I have several installations running, and most of them are private. They're not meant to be publicly accessible. So we use Apache. Uh, I can't even remember what level this is. It's just in the configuration file to say this is going to be accessible from such and such an IP address. But the fact is that those things, you're still banging on the server. So if somebody wants to do a distributed uh, attack, I mean, there's almost nothing you can do except at the uh, firewall level, hardware firewall, right? Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, if someone wants to, you know, bang on your on your on your installation, whether it's login or any page, uh, you know, they they absolutely can do that. So, I mean, you know, on Apache, you can set up an an HTTP password where only the people who have access who you want looking at ThinkUp can can use it. The thing is, is that ThinkUp, unlike WordPress, uh, ThinkUp isn't. I mean, for some people, it's going to be a public facing app, but for most people, it's going to be their kind of internal social media mm-hmm. analytics, uh, you know, package. So, so. Um, so yeah, you can you can restrict by firewall. And this is the thing: everybody's going to have different needs, and that's why I think that the plugin architecture, which is basically what WordPress does, I, I have plugins um, enabled in my WordPress installations for higher higher security, and I think that that's right the right model to take with, with ThinkUp. Agreed. I think that's great. Anybody else on this uh, subject of security and uh, denial of service and so on, protection logins? Okay, next question. I've been watching carefully on the mailing list uh, the database migrations. In fact, the migrations period. Uh, I myself, I'm afraid to say publicly, have not updated to uh, to 15 because I'm a little worried. I was watching. I don't even know where we're at now. If everything's okay, but um, what what's been happening? What's the latest on the database migrations? Is was there a problem? <laughs> Looking at Sam and IRC, was there a problem? Uh, and is that problem has that problem been detected and fixed, or where are we with that, Gina? So from the looks of the mailing list, it, it would appear that beta 15 was just this you know horrible disaster, <laughs> and it was it was it was heart wrenching really to watch. Uh, we had we had at least two people who had to start from fresh after they tried to upgrade to beta 15 that they, they had to in the end they had to wipe their database and start over. Um, the good news is that and I, and I just want to be totally clear about about this. There's no the the we didn't push out 
bad code in that we did push out bad code, but we didn't push out bad code in that there there were no errors in the SQL statements, and there wasn't any code that was there were no bugs that went out in the code. Right? We we have we have a, a huge suite of tests that test every migration uh, for every for every version. Right? So we have an automated test that go that installs beta one and it and upgrades to beta fifteen, and installs beta two and upgrades to beta fifteen and three and fifteen. All the way, right? So all the SQL was good, the code was good, um, and actually several people had a totally successful upgrade that had no problems. What the code was bad, and, and, and this this is this was the issue. People's databases are big, and the migrations for 15 were significant. There were significant alterations to the biggest tables in the database, like followers and and posts. So. And we designed the upgrade mechanism, the web-based upgrade mechanism. We didn't design it as defensively as we should have, right? It, it assumes success. So what was happening, and this is, this is my full understanding of what was happening, and let me know if, if anyone has more information that, that, that contradicts this. I think that people's databases were large, and they were running on, on shared hosting s services, which had you know enforced timeouts and that kind of thing. And the migration timed out midway, so it failed midway. And because of the migration, the upgrader isn't designed defensively. It's not designed with an auto recovery mechanism. It, it put people in this in this state of you know half half finished, and the, the upgrader wasn't smart enough to know, oh hey, we're half finished. We only have to do the you know the rest of these, not beginning. And compounding you know compounding the problem was that we had two people whose um, backups were bad. They had made the backup before they started. But then when they tried to restore the backup, they found that the backup was bad. So Yeah, that's, so Randy, that's the horrible scenario there. That's yeah. the horrible scenario, right? That is totally the horrible scenario. So, Randy, I, um, I would – don't be afraid to upgrade to beta 15. I would just be diligent about making, it, making the backup and doing it at the command line. But this is obviously a problem, right? This is only going to – this is ThinkUp's great scaling problem. This is only going to get worse because people's databases are only going to get bigger. And we're, we're going to have to alter the, uh, the structure of the, of the table. So – what we're doing is we're shoring up the database uh, upgrader. Uh, we're making it smart. We're making it much more resilient. And we're going to make it um, much more, uh, you know, it's going to be able to recover from failure. So as it works, you know, as it executes each statement, each change to the tables, it's going to log whether or not each one was successful or failed. And if any of them failed, it's going to retry. Um, and it's going to know kind of how far it's gone. So it's going to help the user along. So you're never going to get into this state where it's like my think of installation is halfway halfway there, and I and you know and I can't recover it. And in addition to that, we want to do some you know add some strong messaging. We want to detect how large the the person's tables are. You know we're going to take you know do a count on rows on the bigger tables and say before the upgrade starts, say hey you know what you have a pretty big database. Make sure you know verify that you've made a backup. Maybe we can even automate that so the backup happens automatically, and um, uh, you know maybe try try this at the command line. So. This is kind of think of a big scaling problem in general, and this is something that I knew was going to happen. You know, this day was was coming, uh, and uh, and so designing the the the, the upgrader more defensively is going to be is our current current solution, our current and plan. I've uh, hesitated because I, a couple of my installations have absolutely huge databases, and they're on dedicated servers. So if you think that's not going to be a problem, fine. But uh, the backup, writing the backup files on the dedicated server. Uh, takes a long, long time. So I'm, yeah. I'm a little. I, I can't give you any figures of how many uh, entries there are on the tables, but they're huge. I know they're huge because this is these are accounts that were created four or five years ago on Twitter. It's only Twitter, mm -hmm. by the way. Anyway, mm -hmm. thank you for the update on that. Uh, anyone else on this subject of um, the wonderful uh, world of data MySQL uh, 
migrations to uh, 1.5? Uh, just, just curious, but are we going to eventually implement migrations as PHP as well as SQL, or are we just going to focus on keeping them as SQL? You know, right now we don't have um, we don't have anything that we can't do just in SQL. I think at one point Amy had something that she wanted to do that she couldn't achieve in SQL, um, but we wound up we wound up being able to do it in SQL. That's something that we we could do. I mean, at some point we might want to run a PHP script instead of just the straight SQL. But but um, but up until now, and you know, this is 15 betas in, we haven't we ha- we haven't had a we haven't had a reason yet. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's certainly something that I'm open to. So I was thinking something along the lines of if you, if you had like a, a migration class um, and there was an interface for migrations, uh, you could just add them to this list of migrations and run through them in PHP. Um, and internally, maybe they could track their own progress and where they're up to and stuff. And I just, I just think it would be simpler um, as PHP as well if we want to go for different data stores as well, because writing SQL that works with every database engine is going to be pretty tough. Right, yeah. Yep. Okay, the gavel comes down on that subject. We move. You know, um, I've got a, the order I've got is mentor and uh, manual manual migration, but uh, I think we're talking migration. Let's go to manual migration. And Sam, I think you're the one that brought that up, are you not? Oh, uh, yeah, that was cool. That was um, one of the one of the people who had a failed migration um, didn't really want to start over. They wanted to have it fixed. And, um, it was odd. Like it, it looked as if parts of the migration hadn't run in order. And it, like parts of it had run uh, that were like halfway down the migration file, and parts at the top of migration file had been missed. And it was just like, huh? But um, uh, and then the same person wanted posts from a beta version 0.02 migrated up to beta 15, and that went really smooth, like surprisingly smooth, considering that it had to be done manually because the uh, the files that um, the original ThinkUp install were installed with didn't exist anywhere anymore. So it was all done manually, and it was all just... Uh, I I just took the, the post table, migrated everything up to page 15, and copied the post table over into the, uh, the other table of posts that he had on his current install, and it, it just worked fine. So I was surprised with how flexible that was. And how easy it was as well. Yeah, that was that was alpha. Kind of thing. It was alpha too when it was think tank. Um, yeah, I, you know, I worked. I've worked. I, I at one point when we realized that we had to um, do these migrations in kind of an orderly, automated fashion. I, I kind of went back and made sure that every single migration smoothly transitioned into the next one. In the beginning, it was really wild west, and I was committing bad SQL to the to the to the repository, and it was kind of kind of a mess. But this is why we have our, our migrate our tests, our automated tests, which make sure that every everything works from one to the other, and, and why we. Um, we regenerate the build script um, using using another script, and so I'm really glad that that worked. But I was a little concerned because early alpha versions of ThinkUp, there was some bad code that got in here and there, uh, and that doesn't happen anymore. But I'm really glad that worked out. Thanks for working on that, Sam. Uh, it was kind of fun. Like uh, back then, the database didn't contain the version numbers, so I had to figure out what version it was actually on before starting. Um, it, it's actually really obvious if you read the migration files what version your database is on. Good. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was good fun. Like it just went really smooth. Um, so migration all the way up is really good. Cool. About how many changes have happened with the database since the very early versions? Does anybody have any idea? (laughs) How many columns have been added and so on? Oh wow, lots of things, huh? It's unreal. Yeah, it's like you look at when I looked at the Think Tank version 0.02. Um, (laughs) it's just not the same database at all. 
Well, like from yeah, say dot, dot four or five, where I think it kind of was getting into cruising altitude. Uh, there's still quite a few columns have changed and so on, right? Yeah, uh, there's there's been a lot of alterations. At some point, I, I Mark and I, Mark Wilkie and I were having this conversation, and he said, "Well, I mean, really, how much do you think the database is going to change? You know, every release, I'd be like, well, this is going to be pretty much it. The database changes, and then finally, you know, four or five releases later, I said, you know, we just the database is going to change. Like, we just have to accept that the database is going to change. We have to, we have to, you know, we just have to mentally get ourselves in a place where this is always going to be, you know, an iterating kind of evolving thing. And even though pa- migrations can be really painful, but if we if we want the app to grow, the data store has to adapt. So it, it's been. I haven't run any stats. I, it would be it would be fun to have a script that parses all the migrations and and says, oh, this many columns, this many tables, because it really is unrecognizable if you compare it to the, the kind of early alpha versions, even the early beta versions. Yeah, I was watching the uh, the last time I did an update. I was looking at some of the I, last time I waited two or three versions. I mean, I um, took a look, and, and actually there was already quite a few things that were changing just then. And I was, you know, biting my nails, which I do anyway every day, so it doesn't matter. But <laughs> I was just wondering if things were going to work out. Um, anyway, anyone else on the topic of the manual migration and the database changing and all of the, what's been said in the last few? Well, I did want to back up and talk about the the. Uh, backup and restore. This is Trevor. Hi. Good. Yeah. Um, hey, Trevor. Hi. The um, have we put any thought into separating the data, the ThinkUp data, from the schema altogether? So there's a way to extract your your ThinkUp history um, that isn't dependent upon a SQL database. For example, like CSV or some other notation format that would you know we preserve your data and you can, oh, do we? I'm sure that already exists. Yeah, you can export all your posts as CSV. I'm sure I've fixed a bug on it before when the profile output was going into the CSV files. Yeah, there's, that- so there are a few limited ways to do it. So you can export your own tweets to CSV. Uh, so if you, you know, if you're in, if you're logged in and you search, you can export just search results to CSV. You can export your entire history to CSV. But if you want your entire history and all your follows and all your mentions and everything, there's, um, right. if you go into settings, uh, account, you can ba- you can export just a Twitter, just a, sorry, not a Twitter, but a, just a service user's data. Um, and I think that that does a select star into out file, which is a comma delimited file anyway. Um, so like, right. so if you get into a situation where, and we built that because I got into a situation where I set up a ThinkUp installation, I put on, you know, 10, 10 users, a couple of them were super crazy, uh, busy and had tons of data, and I wanted to move just those people off into another installation, but they had tweeted more than 3,200 times. So I knew that a new installation couldn't go back and get the data that this current installation has. So, so you can ex- so you can export just a particular service user, and that's all its data, like links, follows, tweets, mentions, um, uh, everything associated with it, and then import it. And it's and it's select. I'm pretty sure we do a select select into out file, which I think is is just common to limited. So most databases should be able to suck suck that in. Yeah. So that's. But that's just the service user. That's not like your actual sync up application settings and so forth, correct? Right. To do your like all like to do an entire instance of ThinkUp with like the OAuth keys and the options and all that, then you'd use the uh, the backup the backup tool, which is you know which is everything on that install. And that's okay. also in the same that, place right, right above it in the settings. And that exports to the, the it creates a SQL script. Uh, I believe you know that's a good question. I actually think that that also is is um, Select star and out file. Yeah, I think that that's also a common common move. Right? But I could be I could be wrong about that. Okay. Well, assuming it is, then how would you get it back into like say if you were to move hosts and 
the MySQL versions are different between your separate hosts, and you wanted to take all of your ThinkUp stuff from the one old installation uh, and then and enter it into a fresh new install of ThinkUp on the new host. Could mm-hmm. you export from the one and mm-hmm. and you know I'm I'm not doing this from my perspective obviously, which is kind of why I'm fumbling around with it, but. Uh, take all of your data out of um, the one host and in that agnostic format and then import it into ThinkUp on the new place? Yes, there is a restore. So you can restore from, from that backup file. And this obviously okay. only right now has been tested and interacts with MySQL, but, um, but uh, I'm pretty sure that we're using a format that, I mean, once, once we get into the place where we're going to enable another database type, we can, we'll have to deal with all these things, the migrations and the backup and restore. But, but yeah, right now, there's a, you can backup on one installation, set up a new installation on the server and restore from it. Okay. Well, what I'm getting at with all that is if you, like if you tell someone to run a, uh, a backup of their database and they get this file and it has a whole bunch of you know, uh, structured query language in it, they're going to look at it and say, sure, that looks great because they have no idea. Um, but it could be a, a bad backup uh, or could not have all of the information they're expecting. Um, and, but if you give them, and you even have the opportunity to uh, put some of this on the screen instead of forcing them to find the file they've downloaded and, and look at it, uh, if they were able to look at it and say, okay, well, there's a row of you know this information and that information, and yes, this is my, my set of, um, of uh, configuration values for, for ThinkUp itself, um, then they can verify manually that that's what they expected, and you wouldn't have the people with the sad puppy dog faces who've, who've suddenly realized that they have actually no backup and they can't use their ThinkUp install anymore. Right, right. Well, so the when you backup using the web interface, there's two things. First, your, your MySQL user has to have access to the writable directory inside ThinkUp, and this is a problem because not, not everyone does. So, so if, if you, your user doesn't have those privileges, ThinkUp will say, hey, sorry, we can't run this backup. You know, use MySQL dump instead, right? So that's what happened with those two people who, who had bad backups. They were using MySQL dump, but it wasn't working. Um, they weren't using, actually, the, the, the ThinkUp built-in backup. The, the, the ThinkUp built-in backup uh, mechanism, if you do have the correct privileges and you run it, you download the file. It's a giant zip file, and I'm, and and uh, again, I'd have to I have to check this, but I'm pretty sure it's that common delimited, you know, data out file uh, cool. format. I'll have so, to take a look at that too. Yeah, yeah, check it out. So, so it is it is a kind of file. It's a zip file because every uh, every text file is you know a different represents a data from a different table. But you could totally unzip it and look at it. I mean, just the file sizes alone will let you know. Um, but yeah, you could open up one of those files and see the data there. I mean, this is this is all stuff. I mean, think up like the application could do a lot more to educate user about like what to look for and like hey you know your backup looks good or you know here's what to look for if your backup looks good but unfortunately that MySQL user privileges ish- issue is just something that's tough to deal with for someone who's you know on a on a on dream host or something and doesn't even know right. what the MySQL user is and like how to change permission you know it's it gets it gets it gets hard it gets complicated so that's something we we have to we have to uh, address so those two people who lost their databases that was from what, from what I understand, and I asked for clarification last night on the list and I haven't heard back, but from what I understand, they were using their own backup, like their host's backup system for their database, and it was, and it, and it was bad. So, uh, I mean, not, not, to, wonder, not, not to, Do we you know who their hosts were? We don't. We don't. Because that would be you, good you, to know. <laughs> you, yeah, I, clarification. I don't know if they were running, sorry, like, MySQL dump themselves or if they were using the, the host control panel or if they had something mis- Misconfigured. I'm not sure, but I, I did ask for clarification last night. Like, hey, what happened? Just want to make sure this isn't ThinkUp's backup. Because if ThinkUp's backup is buggy, you know, then, then certainly that's something we want to address. 
Yeah, I was just going to say the um, the way I do it and the way anybody who's using SSH would do it is just to do the MySQL dump. But uh, obviously, the majority of users, especially uh, shared hosting, they're not able to do that. So I was wondering, the question I was going to ask, but you just said you don't know, is whether this is some link you click um, on DreamHost or whatever media temple that says, um, you know, back up my databases, because who knows what that does and how, you know, how fast it works and so on. So it's not synchronous. Right, right. So no control, not our problem actually here. Um, anything else on this, these database issues, the backups, the migration and so on? Nice to hear from you, Trevor, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. Usually it's silent Trevor. <laughs> Yeah, so it isn't as easy as I know, and, and we appreciate it. Uh, uh, it says in IRC, um, so it isn't as easy as hitting backup my database. Actually, there is. I mean, I've never used it. There is a backup my database in the ThinkUp, is there not, Gina? I and mean, that's what you were just saying, I think. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that there's there's backup my entire installation, and then there's export a, a particular service user's data. But the so, backup um, that you're that's available before you do an upgrade, you suggest a backup, and then if they click on that, what happens? It's it's a a command launched by PHP, right? And maybe that can right. time out, I suppose, huh? Yeah, I mean we have yeah the the web based backup, uh, it basically takes your data, selects it all in out file, zips it up, and then pushes it to the browser. So you basically it lets you download this this giant zip file of data. Oh. And yeah, I mean that that could that could time out for sure. And and if that you know and if that times out, then that's something that you want to do you know at the command line if you can. And as soon as these installations get big with big databases, I mean that's that's always going to be a problem. Uh, if you can't SSH, and I mean not everybody can. If you can't have uh, your hand on the server yourself, it's uh, very difficult. Yeah, it is. I mean this so this is the this is the big kind of think up scaling problem. At some point, we want to kind of detect. Um, what I would like to do is do some sort of smart detection. Say, um, how big is this installation? This tables? What kind of what kind of power do we have? Do we have any MySQL timeouts in place? Is there anything that's gonna you know? Can we foresee anything down the road that's gonna cause problems with this you know with this user? And take that opportunity to let the user know and recommend other avenues. Either hey, you should consider getting an account on MyThinkUp. Hey, you should consider you know launching the the using the AMI launcher instead. Uh, just kind of like letting letting them know like you're. Your ThinkUp installation is getting really big. You've got a lot of service users. You've got a lot of data, and uh, it, you know it might slow down and be difficult to use. Uh, so that, that's mm -hmm. really the ideal: is just to be as communicative and, and and let you know forewarn users as much as possible. Right. Speaking of my ThinkUp, uh, since Trevor's here and he's got a voice, um, anything new on that? Anything you want to tell us? No. To hear <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, next. Um, <laughs> basically, I've been keeping up with the the flurry of code changes as best as possible, and uh, and making sure everything stays compatible with the changes. Uh, that that have been made um, specific to my think up, but um, otherwise, no. There's not much progress. Um, still adding people to the server and um, you know uh, making changes to to kind of make sure that scaling is um, it doesn't get out of control at some threshold, and uh, and that's it. Because I mean, your solution is obviously one of the most interesting and promising uh, solutions of the problem in the first place. Is to tell people, you know what, if you're having problems with your shared host. Um, you know, there's, there's someone who knows a lot about this stuff who's offering a service. So that's why I right. think well, you keep you know, knowing about this. Yeah, it, and it's uh, it does solve a lot of problems, uh, but it, it doesn't solve everything because, uh, yes, there there are plenty of people who would be well served by uh, using ThinkUp on, on someone else's service where they don't have to worry about uh, how it happens. And the thing is that we still, just like WordPress, uh, we still need to make sure that 
um, the, the, we can't just say that, okay, it works if someone else is hosting it for you and, and they know what they're doing. We have to make sure it still works for people who are self-hosting and, and they're doing it on you know, whichever shared hosting service that forces them to use or a custom panel or you know, whatever. Uh, so while it does make it more convenient, um, these are still problems that have to be solved. Sure. Uh, you know, also might be... it, it could be that only hobbyists and, and you know, power users and, and people who know what they're doing are going to want to self-host eventually. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's really the direction that, that ThinkUp is intended to take, right, Gina? It's, it's supposed to be, like, uh, easy enough for anyone to run with and do what they want with. Yeah, I mean, the goal is to make it so that it's, it's easy for, for anyone to run on any kind of shared hosting environment. But as soon as you have somebody who, who's got an organization or, or, or a, you know, a very popular, popular account, they're going to run into those, those database issues, and, and they're not going to want to deal with this. So it really, it, it's designed to work anywhere, but, but there definitely has to be this, this upgrade option. Um, because some people are just going to say, you know, I don't want to have to deal with backing up my database. I want someone else to have to deal with it. And that's something that the WordPress really doesn't, doesn't have to deal with. I mean, WordPress databases just don't, typically don't get as much traffic unless you're GigaOM or something, you know, unless you're a big blog. <laughs> and um, so, so in a way, yeah, it's not designed for anybody to be able to self-host if they want, but having that option of, of having someone else host is, is also, I think, really, uh, is, is really key. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. I've, I've seen a few things in the mailing list regarding people who are locally uh, setting it up, and I don't know if that's common, but obviously if there was a package, you know, like if you recall back, PHP has a, uh, there was a whole system that was packaged, a kind of a LAMP system that you could install even on Windows uh, that allowed you to develop PHP and everything was local. Actually, if you don't need a front-facing interface for people to consult your ThinkUp, which I think is a lot of times the case, you could also be using your Mac or whatever, um, assuming that could be packaged in a way that basically one-click install. So I don't know. Are, are many people doing this locally, you think? I've only seen a few posts in the mailing list. Anybody know? I mean, I, I, mean, I know a lot of developers obviously do because they're sure, you know sure. they're working working on the app. Um, I think that there's definitely a I think there's a there's um a need for that. I think there's a use case for that. I think people just want to install it on their local machine. I mean, we, we get a lot of help. I, you know, I downloaded the zip file and I unzipped it, but there's no EXE. You know, what do yeah, I do yeah, now? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think the, 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 yeah, I think for folks, folks who, I think there's definitely a use case there for folks who just want to download it on their own computer, run it. And, you know, I would love to package something up with um, XAMPP or, or any kind of, you know, installable just double click and run on your computer for you know Windows or Mac and just just see think up working without having to go on a web host. That that would be that'd be huge, I think too. Exactly. I think that's the packaging issue. If you could, if that can be solved to basically a one you know download and click this and it's on, uh, that would be pretty amazing actually. And then that's uh, yeah. I, I was going to mention this uh, as Mark says, someone packaged created the EC2. I guess that's Andy that did, who did that. And that's great. That's amazing. But, I mean, that's not necessarily something that anybody, you take somebody off the street and go, hey, you on Twitter here? You want to, you know, you can't quite do that either. Plus, you need an Amazon account. The local thing, what's nice is it's totally um, autonomous. You set it up. You don't need anybody's help. I mean, forgetting the technical. I'm just saying you don't need to rent a server. You don't need to be have an Amazon account. You need... Uh, you don't need anything. So that would right. be, if I knew how to do that, I would do it because it'd be, I think it'd be a pretty, pretty big contribution actually to think up would be to have that one click install. It, it well, would. I mean, you can always use like a, a virtual machine, like VirtualBox or uh, yeah. VMware or something like that. Uh, yeah, it would have to be a Linux stack, of course. But um, 
Or you can make use of uh, Microsoft publishes the, uh, the Internet Explorer testing VMware images. Um, so it would be easy enough to put a stack on top of one of those that just has like a preloaded data and, uh, and everything ready to go. So you fire it up, and, um, and it could even launch the browser automatically and, and show you sync up. And uh, It wouldn't exactly be one click, but it would be very close. <laughs> Of course, then if I can play devil's advocate for a second, then the, there's the obvious uh, depressing problem of if you have, you know, eventually a big database and you freeze their machine, then it becomes a whole different ball of wax because you can't, you can't say, well, that's DreamHost. <laughs> it's, it's like here, your, your application froze my machine. I'm, I'm dead in the water here. Or worse, by the way. So, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have brought this up. I don't know. <laughs> but there is that. There is that, too. So, you know, once you've installed something on somebody's machine, you're in their house, and if you break the furniture you got to buy it right it's true it's true all right let's let's move away from this dangerous territory i was gonna say let's uh, let's get into happier let's get to a happy place could, right. could we talk about um beta 15 a little bit yeah absolutely so i mean beta 15 got a lot of bad press on the mailing list because people had so many so much trouble with the migrations which we, we talked about earlier and and uh, and that was that was painful to watch but i was also really grateful that that happened uh sooner rather rather than later right because we're we're We've kind of got initiative to get that smooth that over, uh, but for folks who did who did complete the migrations and so, several people did, beta 15 is was just was a huge release. It was a, it was a big release, um, biggest release we've had in, in four or five. And the the biggest thing, this this kind of two very fortunate circumstances converged. Uh, I'd been dragging my feet. I think the whole community had been dragging our feet about uh, working on the Facebook plugin, but two kind of awesome things happened. First, Facebook.com kind of it, it had this deadline that by September 1st you had to um, they were deprecating their old Connect authorization, which ThinkUp the ThinkUp plugin used, and we had to upgrade to the OAuth 2.0. Uh, so that was that we had the September 1st deadline. And secondly, Mark Linford, who's on the call, happened. Uh, he sent a patch which. Um, Worked on which which retrieved Facebook statuses which were not just plain text which had which had links and, and, and images in them which we had we don't support in 14, and so I had this kind of nudge coming from two places. First, I was like, well, you know, we can't we can't have ThinkUp not work with Facebook at all, e even though it's only limp, you know, at, up to 14, it really only limps along. Uh, but also, we, you know, Mark sent me this patch, and I was like, oh, this is you know, working on this code would actually would actually be really fun. The, the Facebook Graph API. Is uh, is really a pleasure to work with. I, I'm kind of have personally ambivalent feelings about using Facebook. I don't use it a whole lot, but the Graph API is really awesome. So, so the beta 15 um, biggest update is the Facebook plugin. It collects all status updates from a page or a user profile, including links and descriptions and images. So I'm gonna and it looks it looks really cool. I'm, I'm gonna post a link to the White House's Facebook page in the IRC channel. Um, and this was. Uh, this this was part of the reason why so many migra database migrations had to happen. There's just a lot more structured data here. You can see links and descriptions and, and thumbnails, and uh, and it you know it, it now I feel like we can actually say that ThinkUp supports Facebook. Before I felt a little disingenuous <laughs> saying that ThinkUp supported Facebook because it was so minimal, but now we really have um, full featured Facebook support, and it was, it's kind of it's kind of interesting building this. I was testing against my own Facebook page and the Lifehacker Facebook page, which is pretty pretty busy Facebook page. And you know, for each of these, for each Facebook post, like Facebook serves up a list of posts, you know, a list of 25 posts on on a page, right? So so the, the crawler, the, the the plugin would grab that list of 25 posts, and then for each post, it would page through all the um, 
all the comments, and then all the likes. And each one of those came at a page of 25. So uh, Mark and I were working on the, Mark Linford and I were working on the plugin together. We were kind of riffing on one another's code. We had tests written, uh, which tested, you know, a post with a couple of few comments, a few likes. Everything looked awesome. Tests were passing. Plugin looked great. My personal page looked great. And then I uploaded the page to the AAAS server, which is the server I just, the, 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 the link I just posted in the IRC channel there, to point out the, the White House Facebook page, which is one of the busiest Facebook pages on Facebook. And so on, on the White House page, a given post can get 500 comments, 2,000 comments, 4,000 comments, as well as, you know, 500 likes, 4,000 likes. I mean, thousands and thousands of bits of data. So the first time I ran the crawl on the, on the White House uh, Facebook page, Seven hours later, it hadn't completed uh, because each post literally was grabbing likes and comments in pages of 25, and they were going into the thousands. So it was, it was making hundreds and hundreds of, <laughs> of API requests, and it was taking forever to update. So I've been, after the, the beta 15 release, now this is the thing, this code works really well for most people. What, the White House Facebook page just happens to be extremely busy, and, and it's a little bit of an edge case, but, but we have to plan to make think of work with pages that are super busy. Uh, I've been spending the last couple of weeks just optimizing that crawl to only grab the newest likes and the newest comments. Um, I added in a, just a crawl timeout and say, hey, if the crawl, if the crawl has taken longer than 60 minutes or 30 minutes, it's configurable, stop it and then restart it. Uh, but Mark also sent me code to um, back archive old Facebook posts, which is, which is awesome. And you'll see on the front page here, um, Andy created this awesome recent activity Google chart which charts, uh, it's a bar chart over time of likes and replies to posts. So you can kind of see what kind of activity you're getting on a page. So, so I know that a lot of people on this call don't really use Facebook and don't, don't really <laughs> care too much. Um, but for, you know, the reality is that Facebook is where the people are. And there's a lot of interest in Facebook. And I was really personally kind of astounded at how much activity, how much more activity was on Facebook uh, in terms of the White House, which I think is kind of a generic generic figure, you know, on social media, uh, how much more activity there was on Facebook than Twitter. So if you're, if you're interested in, in really kind of seeing, uh, seeing ThinkUp in action, like a busy Facebook page and add it to your ThinkUp install and watch, watch the data come in. It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of amazing. And, and the, the plugin could certainly use more optimizations and more kind of efficiency checks, but we're really, we're really getting there. And, and now, uh, now that we support kind of multimedia posts, ThinkUp is looking a lot, a lot better. So I'm, I would encourage, I would encourage you if you've been scared to upgrade the beta 15, just make a great back, make a good backup, verify it's a good backup, and and upgrade because and, and add that face to Facebook pages because it's, it's a, it's much, much better. It's 200% better. I will. I'm motivated now. We can do this thing. We can <laughs> do this my, thing. I'm going. I'm going in. That's my pitch. That's in. my pitch. <laughs> the other, the other really big thing that 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 updated in in. Um, in beta 15, which is also segues into another interesting conversation, is beta 14 and below did not handle Twitter's Tico links very well. Tico is Twitter's internal URL shortener. And what was happening is that Tico, so if you post a bit.ly link on Twitter, Tico will shorten it again. So we had these links that were shortened several times. You could have a Tico link, which actually expanded to a bit.ly link, which then expanded to an Instagram link. So it was like several layers of, of shortening. And, um, you know, ThinkUp's expand URLs plugin was, was kind of not very smart. It would just expand once. Uh, so what we were doing is we were getting Tico links and we were getting bit.ly links listed as the expanded URL, which is obviously not, not the full expanded URL. So beta 15 now smartly, you know, you know recursively expands 
until it knows that it's got the real expanded URL, and uh, so and it handles images a lot better. So that kind of um, that kind of segues into this other conversation about Twitter analytics and Tico in general. I don't know if you guys saw this week. I think the announcement they made the announcement yesterday is that uh, Twitter is rolling out Twitter analytics. Here I'll put the link in the in IRC while we while we talk. They're launching this like really nice-looking dashboard, which shows you clicks uh, on a per-link basis on Twitter and using the Tico shortening service. And um, I'm really excited. I haven't seen it. I mean, I've only seen blog posts written about it. I haven't had it enabled on my account. But I'm super excited about this. I mean, on one hand, it's like, oh, this is doing a lot of things that ThinkUp could or would do. Um, but it, but so which you know you could say like, oh, you know, Twitter's going to kind of subsume ThinkUp's analytics capabilities, but the truth is they're, they're offering an API for this, this analytics data, which we're going to be able to use. And what's cool is that we can focus, that gives us, Twitter having a great analytics package and having a great API lets ThinkUp focus on being the aggregator, you know, the, the, the app that lets you put your Twitter account, your Facebook account, your Google Plus account all into one place and be able to compare stats across services, kind of be like the, the tweet deck of, you know, social media analytics. Uh, so I'm super excited about that that API, and I'm super excited about Twitter analytics in general. I mean, it amazes me that Twitter is working on an analytics package, and you still can't retrieve more than 3,200 tweets. But yeah. you know, <laughs> I guess that you know they do have a business to run, I suppose. Uh, so I don't know if, if you guys have checked that out, the, the web analytics, or if anyone's seen them in their account. But I'm super excited about that, and I'm excited about building in analytics API support into ThinkUp. It's very interesting, and you mentioned something in passing, Gina, that uh, combining the various, uh, combining Facebook, combining Twitter, and someday, let's hope, combining uh, Google+. Plus. Uh, I keep seeing articles, by the way, saying that the Google Plus API is even further away than you think. And that, I saw one of those like two days ago. Somebody posted that. Uh, it's probably like Apple rumors, though. Then, you know, tomorrow they'll come out with it, hopefully. Anyway, I, uh, I when, when there are, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I, did, I heard that they've opened up the Google Plus API to certain trusted testers or partners, wow. or they're starting to. So, but who knows? I think you're right. I think it is like Apple rumors. You know, you never know what's going to happen. We don't know. We don't know. Anyway, yeah, there's I'm, I'm a sorry. there's there's a thing where well, there's a thing where you can enter your email. Anyway, the question I'm, I'm long-winded. The question that I was trying to pose was, uh, so someday we would expect maybe that there is a way to overlay. In other words, today you look at Facebook, okay, I'm going to go to my Facebook. Now you look at Twitter, okay, got the stats for Twitter in ThinkUp. Uh, but someday there would be a global analysis that integrated all of the things graphically maybe? Because right now there's no real way to do that. I mean, there's not obviously not a way, but I don't even see how that would happen without some kind of a plug-in or some new uh, feature that hasn't been uh, Yes. So the, looking at this, data from different sources. This is really this is really cool. It's really exciting, and, and we're gonna have we're gonna have a blog post about this soon. Um, so right now, you know, the ThinkUp dashboard, you've got that switch service user drop down on the top left, right? So everything is siloed. You know, if you want to look at a Twitter account, you're just looking at the Twitter account alone. You know, like a Facebook right. account, you're looking at that alone. But we've been working with uh, Expert Labs has been working with Mule Design on wireframes and a new design for which is which is going to be ThinkUp 2.0. And in fact, Mule wanted to work with us internally and then kind of publish their findings once we come to a place of agreement. And we we are we're, we're getting to that place now. And so we're going to be uh, Andy is working with Mule right now to write up a blog post describing their research uh, and user findings and some of their wireframes and uh, screenshots of the new design. And in the new design. Uh, we are integrating a view of several accounts in one in one place from different services. So, 
what's what's going to happen is there's going to the the idea or the vision is that you're going to log into ThinkUp and you're going to set up a profile. You're going to say, I work at you know Acme Widgets Company, right? So I'm going to set up an Acme profile and I'm going to add the Acme Twitter account and their Facebook account and their Google Plus account into this one profile, right? So this is group of service user accounts, and then you're going to look at this profiles dashboard, which integrates activity across those three services into one dashboard view. So the current dashboard is only one service user, but in the future, we're going to have a dashboard which shows related accounts. So you imagine the White House Facebook page, the White House Twitter account, and the White House Google Plus account will all um, be displayed in one, in one view. So that's something that we're um, kind of looking at coming, coming down the, the pipe. And that'll be core ThinkUp functionality to be able to lay out all those things in one, in one place. And so you have to kind of map what are different things. You know, Twitter has favorites, and Facebook has likes, and Google Plus has plus ones. Uh, and those are kind of different, but mostly similar. So, you know, in our data store, we, we store those all the same way. You know, they're just things that people like or favorite or plus one or whatever. So we'll be comparing those things. And, you know, the cultures are really different across these services. I mean, people don't really use favorites very much on Twitter, but likes, people, people use likes a lot, and Google Plus seems to be, plus ones seem to be pretty popular too. So, you know, a mention is kind of a more of a better metric for Twitter, uh, but a like is a better metric on Facebook. So there's some design challenges of how to of how to say how to kind of acknowledge the cultures of these different services. But but we're really coming to a place where these services are kind of standardizing behaviors. You know, liking something. There's a there's a, you know this metaphor now. They're liking something, posting a link. You know, links metadata. You know, we basically got a link, the URL, the title, the description, and the thumbnail. And that's true on Facebook, and that's true on Google Plus. Uh, not so much on Twitter, but Twitter's starting to roll out support for images. So we're starting to get some sort of standard, standardization. So I think another reason why I'm really excited about the Facebook plugin upgrade this past beta 15 is that our data store, our data model is now able to handle um, the kind of data that you're going to get from Google+, for example. It was very Twitter-specific. Now it can accommodate uh, Facebook data, and then it will accommodate Google+, data. And down the road, long-term, we are going to be able to display all those things in one dashboard. And now I'm the one being long-winded, but I'm super excited about this. And, uh, and I can't wait. I'm hoping to publish something about uh, our work with Mule and what their vision has been for this soon, certainly before the next episode of this podcast. Super. That's great news and uh, no problem about the length. That's fascinating stuff. Can't wait to see it. Anyone else want to chime in? We have one more subject to cover and maybe uh, some incidentals after. Hey, this is Mark Ellis. Yeah, let's see. Real quick. Wanna, oh, go ahead, Mark. Oh, I'm sorry. Just real quick. First off, uh, Gina, thank you for all the kind words you said about the work I did. Uh, as always, she's given me way too much credit. <laughs> but I wanted to thank again for all the hard work that's been done on the Facebook plugin because it really does look fantastic. And I thought it was interesting. I'm gl- I came across the same thing, Gina, when I was running, like, just testing on a big page and walked away for, like, a half hour and realized, that, oh, my God, I've been pounding Facebook's API. They're going to block my IP. And they didn't. And it's I know. They don't, they don't seem to enforce any sort of limits. It's kind of amazing. I'm sorry. So go ahead. Go ahead continue. Yeah, so, so, anyway, so it's neat that we can take advantage of that now, but I'm glad that we're kind of thinking ahead and saying, you know, they're not going to let this go on forever. So some way to be able to make the search more um, or the, the, the crawl more intelligent is definitely a great idea. So thank you again for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. you. You're the one that posted that patch with the since and until, which kind of just only grabs the newest stuff. And I use that. I, I use that. That was a, that was a great idea. And, and I'm um, I'm using that for comments and likes. 
as well so so that those crawls don't get you know hung up and we're not refetching the same 2,000 comments every single crawl so that was extremely it was extremely helpful uh, oh, and, and actually yeah that the, those optimizations happened after the beta 15 um, mm-hmm. release but they'll be out they'll be out certainly in the next release and if you're running the code from github you'll have the, the have the latest optimizations cool cool that's all I have to say thank you <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad you made it today. I'm really glad you made it because you, you really were the person who nudged me to, to, to dive into the Graph API again and say, okay, let's make this thing actually work. I want to thank my supervisor also for letting me rearrange my schedule today so I could contribute. So. Oh, <laughs> we'll plug excellent. Thanks, supervisor. And I think I saw Trevor uh, just about to say something too. Oh, um, yes. Gina, what's the intersection between profiles and ThinkUp users? So would one user have multiple profiles in this, uh, the new concept? Yes, so one user could have multiple profiles. We're assuming that most users will only have one profile, but you could, but there will be mechanisms to add multiple profiles. You could have your, you know, your work profile, your side business profile, your personal profile. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be multi one to many relationship. Cool, that makes sense. That's all. Okay, just a quick one before we leave the API. Uh, I want to talk about the. Um the uh, mentor program, but before we get to that, uh, what's the news, if any, on other plugins? Right, we've covered uh, Google Plus. We know there's nothing going to happen until it happens, but um, there was talk of a LinkedIn, or is there still a LinkedIn plug? Anything else that we haven't mentioned here on plugins, Gina? Actually, this this segues nicely into the into the mentor program discussion. Randy, Randy with an I, Randy Miller has been working on uh, enhancing our expand URLs plugin to grab Bitly click counts. Uh, so that's that's kind of kind of cool. So you can kind of see how many Bitly clicks you get, and and um and this is the kind of thing also when Twitter starts releasing its numbers about how many clicks each Tico links get. That that's something that I'd also want to add into the expand URLs plugin. Um, you know, there's a LinkedIn plugin that got developed at one point. It never got merged, and I'm not sure that it's been it's kind of that it's kept up with the the latest core changes. That's something I would love to get in. Uh, I mean, you know, we've got. A bunch of ideas for plugins. I know that Sam has an idea for for a Gmail plugin, and um, I, I've I've really been chomping at the bit for a Flickr and a Foursquare plugin. And um, so, but as far as I know, that work besides the Twitter streaming, which Amy's working on, and the Bitly stuff, I don't think that there's current work happening on new plugins. And part of that issue is that. Uh, the plugin architecture is still is still growing. So I know Sam, for instance, wants to do a, a, a Gmail plugin, but he needs uh, easy ways to plug in extra fields to the database, and we want to build mechanisms in that for the plugin architecture to handle. So and that's something that we have slated for one one point one. There's um, Aaron has been talking to me about getting ready for a Foursquare plugin, so you might see some some work starting on that quite soon. Oh, that'd be awesome. Question the IR- IRS. IRC, IRC uh, about having database plugins. I'm not sure exactly. Well, we're gonna we're gonna build in the ability. And this is what we're just saying like the ability for a plugin to say when you know when you activate a plugin for a plugin to say I need these extra fields which are kind of hung on to this core. So like I need a I need you know these two more columns added to the post table uh, to to store data in right. But but we don't want plugins making changes alterations to core tables so we've built this mechanism where you can we have these kind of meta tables which is like the plugin you know the, the post plugin table right where plugins can add whatever columns they want so we've um we've created that mechanism for the instances table we haven't enabled it yet for the post like post followers and links but that's 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 the goal right is to make plugins be able to add columns on the fly without um without altering the core table so a- adding that kind of layer of protection 
Okay. The, then the question was clarified, and the, in fact, he's talk, he or she is talking about um, a layer of uh, independence with the actual core functionality of the database. In other words, moving away from MySQL. So that, yeah, uh, I misunderstood it too. Yeah, we um, we designed the data layer, the DAOs, and we designed the data layers with the idea we're using PDO, the PDO driver, with the idea that eventually we will support other databases. So all the all the the data layer is abstracted, uh, so that if we wanted to implement another another database uh, like Postgres or or whatever, we could do that fairly easily. We haven't done that yet, um, but but yeah, the the application is designed so that we we could do that. Honestly, right now, MySQL is the most commonly used. Uh, so we're, you know, to my knowledge, no one's working on writing another data layer, but it's the application is, is set up pretty well to do that. Okay, cool. I, I don't know. Um, I've always wondered about the different types of databases between Postgres and MySQL, besides the arguments that this statement will generate. They're not that, that, that hugely different compared to uh, some of the things like CouchDB, which are on a totally different model, a paradigm. So I don't know whether... Just a quick question here. I don't know whether um, there would be an improvement in the scaling if some other database paradigm, whatever the right word for that is, some non-MySQL, like MongoDB, for example. I mean, is, are th is there some good reason why this would be better scalable, more scalable? Uh, it's, um, it's an interesting argument because Mongo is an object-oriented database system, I think, or document-oriented, as I like to call it. Um, and it boasts that it's more horizontally scalable, so you can. I think that means you can support more data in it, but it loses some functionality because of that. For example, you can't do joins in Mongo. I think. Can anyone confirm that? Reduce, but <laughs> we don't want to get. We don't want to get too. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about Mongo. <laughs> um, I, I honestly thought I disconnected then. I was like, oh, done. <laughs> well, that's because I don't have any the, crickets the whole on thing, tap here. About Mongo and and uh, document-oriented databases like that is is you're not you're sacrificing a lot of the data integrity that's built into an RDBMS like MySQL where we can make sure that uh, you'll always have um, if not actual values at least the the columns will be there uh, for a certain kind of record um, and the you don't have that parallel in Mongo for example so if we were to say like um, a post on a service um, in our MySQL database, we could always be sure that we have, you know, uh, certain aspects of that are stored there. Like, what is the uh, associated URL, and uh, uh, was it a retweet or something like that? And in Mongo, uh, you just kind of add on those um, those aspects as needed to a document. So uh, you might not actually have that sort of thing. It's much more loose and. Um, it, depending on the situation, that's the appropriate uh, call, but um, I, I think you end up having to replicate a lot of logic in your application that would normally be in the database, and you, you would get it for free with that. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that's a smart replacement, but uh, in some instances, something like that would be smart. Like for a, a queue, of course, MySQL is not optimal, but Redis uh, is, and, and that's why for streaming we're looking at uh, things like that. There's a yeah, it's it's not as strict as typical RDBMSs. Um, like there's there's no strict schema involved with Mongo. You can like if you want a new field, just add a record with that field, and then that field exists. It's like it does it all on the fly. There's, you don't have to really declare a schema. So um, you you don't. I don't think you get any idea of default values. I, I could well be wrong. I don't know a huge amount about it, but the idea is that you lose some functionality, but you gain scalability. 
So I don't know. I'm I'm honestly not sure. I mean, the, the idea is definitely to build the application so that those things are possible, right? Because I think we are going to get to a point, if ThinkUp is wildly successful and used by the most famous and good-looking people in the whole world, uh, they're going to have when, huge databases. When? When, when? when it's wildly successful and used by the most famous and good-looking people in the world, uh, they're going to have huge databases. And the scaling issue is definitely an issue. And I think that a NoSQL solution like Mongo is, is, a, is a good solution. I mean, I think it's a solution for power users on, you know, pretty hefty, you know, hosting, you know, this is a, somebody on DreamHost probably isn't going to be setting up Mongo. And so, so our initial focus, I mean, this is still really early. Our initial focus has been on uh, the kind of baseline uh, most commonly used. So it's, you know, just, just MySQL. But, but, but something like, I love the idea of just of not having to do my database migrations. And I love the idea of having a database that doesn't fall down when it's, you know, a few million rows. Uh, so, so that's definitely something that we, we'd want to do. And, if, and I see that somebody in the, in the chat room is interested in, in working on it. I'd, I would love to see that. I'd love to see a Mongo data, data layer or, or a plug, you know, an implementation of Mongo in our data layer. Interesting stuff. And for those of you listening to a recording, a good reason to be looking in the IRC because these links are definitely a little long to read. We'll try to, I'll try to grab them and put them on the blog post. Okay, with that, we were mentioning that we should move on to the mentor program. Mentor program. And uh, Gina, if you want to comment, and I know Sam uh, has some things to say as well. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty, we're pretty much, I mean, I, I guess it was, the intention was for it to be a summer mentor program. What I loved is that everyone that, that participated really was kind of like, uh, you know, just did did the work and wasn't worried about dates or prizes or anything very formal. It's been it's been awesome. Uh, we basically had two teams: Sam and Aaron, and Amy and Randy, Randy Miller. And Aaron, um, I don't know if he's on the call, but he, he's been he's been he's been awesome. He's been amazing. He's submitted several patches that have been accepted to the to the project. And what's been really cool about working with Aaron is that I've been watching him uh, get more confident and more comfortable with the testing framework and with the code base in general and he's asking really good questions i get i get really excited when developers start asking like excellent questions so that's been that's been awesome and i, and I give sam all the credit for that sam has been also obviously been a fantastic mentor to aaron so i've been really happy about that and i think aaron has a pending pull request which all the tests pass and i'm going to merge that today it's just been a busy week and then randy uh randy has a pull request into me with the bitly functionality that I just talked about. He's been working with Amy, and uh, I'm really excited about that. So to have click analytics in ThinkUp will be will be huge, and, and Randy's also gotten much better at uh, at writing tests and, and getting comfortable with the code base. So it's been it's been it's been a huge success. I've been really happy to have two super productive, uh, successful teams. Um, and you know, Sam, you, you've been you've been great. Thank you for being such a great such a great mentor. Uh, it's seriously the dude is on fire. Like I don't. His last two pull requests have had absolutely nothing to do with me. He's just just nailing it, man. He's awesome. Yeah, he really he really is. It's great. When I when I see a pull request from Aaron, I'm like, yes, like I know I know this is going to be good, and and, and uh, it's been really cool to see how how productive he's been. And I can see that he's going through the issue tracker and asking questions about different issues and figuring out what it is that we want and helping clarify, which is also just really important. Great work. But yeah, his code has been has been fantastic. Yeah, really proud of his progress. He's trying to. He's trying to do issues in lots of different places so that he um, he can get all the relevant experience he needs to build a Foursquare plugin. So he's like killing a whole flock of birds with just a couple of stones. It's awesome. I know it's great. It's it's been it's been great. I, my favorite uh, my favorite phrase to type into GitHub a GitHub commit log is closes number whatever. And and Aaron, there have been many issues closed thanks to Aaron. So really happy about that. 
Okay. Anything else? Any uh, old business or new business anybody wants to bring up other than that? We've covered a lot of ground. This has been a fantastic call, and thanks to everybody. Got really nice uh, participation here. I'm really proud and pleased. Uh, other topics? Uh, really like kind of off topic here, but have you searched ThinkUp in Twitter recently? We, you know, on the ThinkUp homepage, I think we have like a mentions, like a widget that's kind of uh, just mentions, but I, ha- I haven't specifically searched Twitter for ThinkUp. Is- there's, there's a new ThinkUp account, ThinkUp GCC, which is uh, a project for, oh, I have the page up, where is it? Uh, right, yeah. What is ThinkUp? ThinkUp is a virtual social club that is set on recognizing talent. We are a community in search for inspiration and in turn can also be looked at, at uh, looked at as inspiration. It's um yeah, I just thought if have you seen that yet because you had naming issues over the think tank originally, didn't you? Right. Yeah, I did. I did. I haven't seen this. This is interesting. Well, I'm really happy that it's not a crowdsourcing uh piece of crowdsourcing crowdsourcing software. <laughs> Because uh, that 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 was the problem. There was, I mean, when we named the the app Think Tank, there was a there was another software package called Think Tank, you know, that that, that basically did social media crowdsourcing. So it was an obvious, you know, name naming problem collision. Uh, but yeah, this looks like a virtual social club set on recognizing talent. Well, it's kind of a bummer because uh, there could be some confusion on Google in, or Twitter or searching for the name, but but it doesn't look like it'll be a, a real naming problem. They have a really awesome website. I, I think it's just designed really nicely. Sorry, that was very off topic. But they seem to have dominated the uh, the ThinkUp hashtag. And I, I just like, uh, I don't know. I just wondered if you've seen it. I didn't. I didn't. But that's a uh, yeah. That's interesting. It's kind of kind of. Did it just launch? Uh, it's been there for uh, at least a few weeks. I remember seeing it a few weeks ago, and I was like, huh. But I don't think it's yeah. very old. It's definitely been the last few months, at least. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this is gonna be a problem for naming, but it is kind of a bummer in terms of search uh, search uh, confusion. But thankfully, we're kind of differentiated enough. It seems like it's totally different different products. But it is a nice website. Any other kind of like random questions or? Okay. In that case, I suggest that we adjourn the official part right now and um, be back in a month, second Wednesday of October. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm hoping to get uh, Anil on next month to talk about some of Expert Labs' um, work with ThinkUp and, and some of their initiatives. So he said he'd, he'd try to make it next month. That's, that. that's terrific news. That's great news. All right. I'm leaving a little space in case there's somebody trying to unmute themselves in the last minute, but it does seem that we're done here. So uh, thanks to everybody. A very quick mention, by the way, the Skype to SIP bridge is provided free to us by tropo.com. And if you're a developer, and I, most of you are, uh, tropo.com, you can get a free account. And if you want to develop applications for SMS or Skype or SIP or plenty of other things, I think even Google Talk, uh, take a look at it because they're great people. The account is free as long as you feel like using it until you decide to deploy something that's making you money. And then you'll be paying for it. So see you next week. Thank you so much, Gina, for your time. Thanks so much for hosting. Thank you all. And we will see you next time. Hopefully even more numerous. What you just witnessed was a think-up talk. Go to thinkupapp.com for all the links to everything think-up. Follow Think-Up App on Twitter. The IRC channel is think-up on freenode.net. These talks happen on the second Wednesday of every month. We'd love to hear your voice. 
See you next time.